You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Once again, for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today in the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what we got to do. Hit us up on all those social media outlets. Just take the... I'll wait. Go ahead. You know the ones. On Twitter, we're at TNWpod. Facebook, we are at Talking Wrestling. Facebook, backslash, Talking Wrestling. Uh, on Gmail, send us a Gmail and uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, talking wrestling at gmail.com. On Instagram, check us out there. Uh, we have a Instagram site. It is Talking Wrestling Podcast at Instagram. Of course, we're on Spotify, as you probably already know. And uh, we are also on, um, well, Apple Music and iTunes. And uh, if you're on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, give us a favorable rating and uh, review, five-star review. We'll send you a postcard from 1984 of your favorite wrestler from that year, if you have one. Um, yeah, that's basically everything. We go through this at the top of every show, so you should know it already. So with that said, I think I've covered everything, but um, yeah. So I'm on tour in uh, out here. I did the Edmonton Comedy Fest last week, and I'm playing the Calgary Laugh Shop this week. Uh, I'm I'm in uh, Bret Hart country, which I absolutely love being in Calgary. However, uh, I flew out of 17 degrees weather, where I was tanning like the Hulkster in Toronto, and overnight, uh, you know, and landed in Edmonton. It's been winter ever since. Um, it's miserable out here in Alberta, uh, having this winter this early. However, um, I'm inside warm right now, and I'm talking at you. Um, so, uh, this week's guest is a very friendly guy. Um, he was at the Edmonton Comedy Fest. We sort of struck it up. Turns out he likes wrestling. I'm like, well, I've got a show for you. So, um, today on the show, very, very funny comedian, uh, Mark Anthony Sinagoga. Folks, he, this guy, he is funny, he's big enough that he could be a wrestler, and uh, I, this is a good episode, I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, Casey in Studio uh, B, uh, six feet apart, um, take it away with uh, you and uh, Mark Anthony Synagoga. So with me at this time, folks, uh, on this week, uh, this week's episode of Talking Wrestling, a uh, very, very funny comedian who I recently met at the Edmonton Comedy Festival. And joining me right now uh, via Zoom is uh, Mark Anthony Sino. Uh, sorry, let me, let me do that again. Mark Anthony Synagoga. Is it Synagoga or Synagoga? Synagoga. Synagoga. There we go. So, sorry, Mark. Awesome. Last night before I did the, before I went on stage with your name, I said to Belfort, I was like, help me out this thing again. Is it Mark Anthony uh, Synagoga, he's like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so it's Anthony. All right, thanks a lot. <laughs> Buddy, it happens to me all the time. and Don't even worry about it. Thanks I, for having me, though. This is great. I know. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, so we'll just get right into it. Uh, this show is basically comedians talking about wrestling. And uh, sometimes I get wrestlers on as well. Um, so for you, uh, when did it start? When did, uh, when did your journey with wrestling start or when did you start liking it um my entire neighborhood when i was a kid was really into it and like uh i grew up in a neighborhood where a lot of like everybody was kind of older than me like um so they were all into like you know the ultimate warrior and uh hogan and like the earlier days of wrestling a little bit for earlier than what i was into um so i wanted to watch a pay-per-view and i never I never bought it. My dad was like, oh, we're not going to pay for that shit. Just find it from somebody else. So my neighbor recorded, um, I want to say it was WrestleMania 13 or it was a SummerSlam of some sort where um, K 
Ken Shamrock was the guest referee for uh, Stone Cold Bret Hart match. Mm -hmm. um, and then that was the same time that uh, The Rock was Rocky Maivia. And then his dad came out to help him and rescue him from some other group that I can't remember. But that's kind of when it started. And then, you know, so I remember really being attached to Bret Hart when that happened and being like, Bret Hart's the best. Yeah. And then loved him and loved the undertaker and that kind of projected. And then that slowly turned into me just becoming like the biggest stone cold, Bret Hart, the rock, like the whole attitude era really just, I was not missing a single event ever for years. So, so you're one of the specific fans. Now this is where the wrestling industry, they don't know what happened because in the attitude era, they had, you know, literally, probably 6 million people watching on Monday nights and now they're getting like 1 million people or just over that they often wonder what happened to all these fans did and I'm I'm thinking they finished college they grew up they had families and they just fucking grew up they don't have time for wrestling you know right. so for you uh what 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 made you drop off or drop wrestling you know, it's it's when they started to integrate newer guys. Like, they started to bring in John Cena, which at the time, everyone was sort of like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, you know what I mean? He was doing the whole, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, how, do, how do we say this politically correct? Um, I don't know. He was a douche. He was playing the whole I'm white, but I'm black card um, and just didn't dig him. And, like, every new guy they started to bring in, you were like, this gimmick sucks. Yeah. And I mean, we're now in hindsight, when you look back on it, because, because the more, no, the more that I look back on it and like, I, I would just slowly start to taper off and taper off yeah, and then would occasionally watch. And when I watched, I was like, it's crazy. I hated John Cena, but now I love John Cena because everybody after that was just garbage. Like, it just started plummeting so bad with the guys that they were bringing up. Maybe it was their gimmicks or like their lack of showmanship or how fake it was. Or uh, when I say fake, I mean like how disingenuous their promos were coming across. And like, you know, when you go from watching like um, Rhodes's um, uh, promos and the rocks promos and uh, you know, Goldberg's promos and uh, everybody's promos and even Savage, like you're like, these promos are nuts and you'd be dying laughing. And then you watch John Cena's promos and like, I don't know, Kane trying to keep it together and not wear a mask, like all this. Sh I was like, I don't know, man. Like I just, it, it just started becoming not as interesting. Yeah. And it could have had to do with, I was getting older and the more, the older you got, the more you sort of got shit for liking wrestling, especially when, you know, UFC kind of jumped in at that time too. And totally you know, they started going, yeah, stop watching fake stuff when you could watch real stuff. Right. And you, you started being made fun of if you were still watching WWE kind of thing. I often make fun of UFC fans. I think they're, I often just say, you're just watching wrestling, but you're watching it in the 1940s and you haven't realized that it's all scripted and fake yet. Right. I was right. like, That's the I, cause, and then I make jokes like, because like, first of all, it's UFC. An ultimate fight is, ultimate fight means to the death. That's what the ultimate part means. Uh, right. you know, and, and, uh, and I said, and they're fighting on an octagon, which subliminally is a stop sign. So right. there's not going to be any death in the UFC when you're wrestling on a stop sign. Your brain's thinking stop when you step in the cage. And what the fuck is the cage for anyways? It's just yeah. a show. Yeah. So and uh, now the cage, the cage is actually used as like a prop almost where they like lean on it or they, you know, they, you know, jump off and shit like that. I'm like, this is pointless. This I know. Never be it take, it's going to take one wrestler to cross over to just grab the guy's head and just one, two, three, <laughs> or just the old cage rub along like that. Yeah, exactly. Just drag him across the cage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope it, and, I, and I do hope it's Brock, um, but I doubt it will ever happen. So. It's great that you started off with such an iconic WrestleMania because the Bret Hart Stone Cold match is, personally, it's my favorite match, and I think it's the greatest match of all time. Mm -hmm. The storytelling is amazing in it. The fact that, you know, uh, they do a double turn in it, 
And um, I've talked to Ken Shamrock on this show, and I asked him about that. I was like, you were thrown into a heavy-duty main event match. I was like, how much of it did you know? Like, did you know the finish, and did you know what was going on? And uh, he didn't know. He didn't know very much about it. He was, and the reason why he was also there is they knew they were going to go into the crowd, so they needed him to keep fans off of their backs. Right. If anybody was the if anybody was to jump in, Ken Shamrock would just fucking grab them and suplex them out of the way. So, sure. so it's kind of like he was there to protect, but at the same time, uh, that was his introduction into the WWE, and um, he changed the W. Ken Shamrock changed the WWE. He's the first guy that brought in tapping out. He's the first guy that brought in, yeah, that brought in, um, started wearing UFC gloves. Uh, He's the first, you know, he's the first guy to use that ankle lock or made it popular again. And then eventually uh, Kurt Angle would take it and use it from him. Um, Now in an era where you see guys crossing over all the time or you see, you know, Matt Riddle used to be a cage fighter. Uh, this guy used to be a cage fighter. Of course, Brock Lesnar of Ronda Rousey, you know, the yep. greatest UFC uh, woman fighter of all time is now a wrestler. They're saying that she might make a comeback, I pray, because I don't know if you've ever seen Ronda Rousey wrestle. But to me, uh, I find it more intense. I My problem with the UFC is I don't like watching people get hurt. And right. when I watched... I think it was, oh, my God, Holly Holm versus Ronda. And Ronda yeah. got knocked out. And they were just holding her like Apollo Creed in fucking Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, I remember. I don't yeah. want to see that. I'm like, I love Ronda. I, first of all, I don't want to see any girl get the shit kicked knocked out of her, even if it's by another girl. But to that point, I'm like, you never see that with the guys. You never see the guy knocked out and then them fucking holding Brock down and petting his head or (coughs) but um but i think ronda rousey is one of the greatest crossover people in 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 wrestling history because she took to it like that and then in one year she went from uh a co-main event in wrestlemania to the main event in wrestlemania and uh it's amazing yeah, I, I loved watching her do that as well. I mean, I wasn't the biggest Roddy Piper fan, um, but I was. It was. I was happy to see that happen. Um, and I remember when Piper would come back and, you know, pop in here and there. But I just always thought I was like, what, what don't I get about Roddy Piper? Like, I you missed. Am, him. am I missing something? You did. No, I know. I know I missed it, but like I went back and watched because like my parents were huge, huge wrestling fans. Like, yeah. uh, so I went back and watched quite a bit of things. I'm like, sure, his attitude it was always great. Like I loved his just you know, uh, pissed off running down the thing. Like so much energy, <laughs> but like in terms of his wrestling skill and abil- abilities, or even in the ring, I'm like, you're not good. Like, is that is that make me? Bad person, or it what? makes you uh, kind of against everyone else. Like he wasn't. Uh... <coughs> Piper didn't need a large arsenal of wrestling moves because his right. character was he's a tough kid from the streets, and he will just beat you up with his fists. Uh, he will right. cheat. He will do anything to win. He's not a good guy, and um. And he just is that, and he's all you know. So, so he was the perfect you know catalyst for Hulk Hogan, like and and Hulk Hogan never pinned Roddy Piper. He never right. beat Roddy. He would always win by disqualification or by countout. Um, but without Roddy Piper, there would not be a Hulk Hogan. So yeah, Roddy Roddy Piper, as we're talking about, is one of the greatest. And 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 the fact that he left wrestling. So many times to pursue Hollywood projects. Uh, every time he came back, it was extra special. And when he came back and became a, a face, um, it was a big deal. 
And then WrestleMania 7, if there's one match you should see, it's Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper. And uh, what happened there was... Hold on. Why am I out of breath? I just fucking walked. Oh, my God. I'm so fat. Uh, maybe it's the COVID. I might have got COVID. Oh, my God. I made... I, just, I hope not. I hope not, too. Like, right now I have a cold, and it's just a regular cold. Like, it's... I have them every year, and... Yeah. But I'm kind of shitting my pants over it because I'm free. For sure. Because, uh, you know, it's like, what if next week, uh, you know, it's not a cold. It, the headache set in or all of a sudden I... Look at I just yeah, fucking walked across the room and now I'm out of breath. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's funny. You're gonna go to your doctor and say that, and he's gonna be like, "Well, yes, exactly." <laughs> well, I have this. I have this in my act where it's like, I like on any given day, you one might think I might have COVID because I could be showing any one of the symptoms. Like for example, uh, when I, I I smoke pot, so I have a smoker's cough. So there's right. a cough, uh, but I'm also allergic to weed. So I get sniffles and I get congested and I get watery and itchy eyes, and, right. and I rub my eyes a lot from from the from the uh, irritation of the allergy of being allergic to the pot. Now I'm out of shape, so if I have to walk up the escalator to meet you outside after I get out of the subway, I'm probably going to be a little tired and winded. So if I right. get winded. Uh, and I'm wearing too much clothes because it's a nice day, but it's still winter. I'm winted. I'm sweaty. My eyes are glossy. My fucking nose is sniffling. I got a cough, dry cough. People are like, dude, just go to the fucking hospital. You're going to die. Stay Seriously. six feet away. You know, yeah. and it's at a point where, you know, you cough in the fucking. I did this last night on stage. You cough in the middle of the grocery store. People are looking at you and. You're like, relax, it's just AIDS. And then they're like, oh, just AIDS? Well, wow, I feel safe. You know, like, yeah. so. Like as long as it's not coronavirus. Yes. You know? As long as it's not coronavirus. So, anyway, um, back to the Roddy Piper. I assure you, tune in next week and see if I have COVID. <laughs> we'll just say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, the um, the thing about Piper is he came. He, he, he Piper was the Intercontinental Champion, and he wrestled Bret Hart, and Bret Hart was on his way up, and he hadn't had a world title yet. But Bret Hart ended up winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania Seven from Piper, and it's the first time Piper allowed himself to be pinned in seventeen years. So wow. he'd never been pinned in the WWE. And Bret Hart's the only one that's ever pinned him. And they asked him, you know, why would you do that? And he's like, I thought the guy needed a push, you know. And I right. was the one that could give it to him. And then Bret went on to have this amazing five-time world championship career in the WWE before getting screwed. Um, which pretty much everybody knows about. So, uh, with that said, uh, who? so you love Stone Cold, you love the Attitude Era, that Stone Cold match, of course, is such a great match. Um, do you have any other favorite matches that you enjoyed over the years? Oh, yeah. I, I'd remember? say my favorite match that I even watch to this day, I actually watched it on YouTube a couple months back, um, was when it was Hulk Hogan versus The Rock, when it was like the passing of the torch match there that they had at uh, the Sky Dome in Toronto. I know, Especially yeah. Yeah, especially because I could have been there like and I I missed the chance to go and like I don't think there's another match that you can watch where the crowd is going so fucking mental like if you look like you know it's like got them standing in the ring and like just behind you know just the first 20 30 rows yeah. like they're almost mosh pitting like they're going nuts and like you even feel like I get goosebumps watching it man like because like the energy and then the transfer and the back and forth of like they like the rock they like hulk hogan like if they go back where the rock becomes the heel for a bit it's fucking insane like i the, the energy is through the roof yeah. and it just gets you so fired up and that's a lot of a lot of ways 
wrestling kind of I draw parallels now that I'm in comedy. I obviously never thought that I'd be in comedy when I was watching wrestling, but being in comedy now, I always, I feel like wrestlers are up here. Like no matter, there's not one, any other art form or source of entertainment that can get a full standing O on their entrance song. Like Stone Cold, the sound of glass breaking, he gets a full blown standing O, no question. Exactly. And nobody else, there's nobody else in anything else like maybe when the rolling stones come on stage they might get a standing o but like do you know what i mean like yeah. it's just it's not as instant and as crazy as it is for wrestlers specifically stone cold like a guy like hulk hogan and the rock like they had different um um intro songs over the years and stuff yeah. but you know uh stone cold just that fucking glass. There is, there is, I'll tell you, um, back in the day, I've been to the Stone Cold matches, and I've been to the whole, but back in the day, nothing, first, the Road Warriors were the first guys to get those big pops, like these come out to Iron Man, so it'd be like, right. and as soon as you heard that, and they came in, the fucking Road Warrior pop, that's what it's called. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you, those first bars of Real American, with Hulk Hogan's music, like, when you hear that, it's fucking, you, like, K. Trevor Wilson still swears that they played Real American when Hogan came to the ring in that WrestleMania match. I'm like, no, they played the NWO music. He didn't. He was the bad guy. Yeah. And K. Trav had to go back and watch it again and be like, "Oh my god!" In my head, I've switched the music. Like, because right, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. I just think that um, you know, that you watch this, like, uh, yeah, that and Stone Cold is just made for that. They're like, you hear the when you hear the glass, it's your ass. You know, and, and I used to love when they actually had the glass fall. I don't know if you remember that, but they used to put um, that sheet of glass. Oh yeah, would actually fall and break. They got rid of that after a while, but I'll never forget. Only like, you would see a couple, yeah, a couple WrestleManias oh. they did it. WrestleMania, I think, uh, definitely thirteen. They did it for that. Um, yeah. There are other guys like, uh, well, obviously Shawn Michaels. You hear the yeah. ah ah, or yeah. you just hear the. Um, you know, Red Hart's guitar screech was good, or even like Goldberg had a pretty good intro song. I used oh, to yeah. love his. And- uh, and then so one time I was at Just for Laughs, and Mick Foley was doing a midnight show, and uh, he was there, and the room was set up, so it was like basically like uh, the aisle went down the middle, and it was two sides, it's kind of like church, and yep. uh. I'll never forget, like, Brendan uh, Burns from uh, England or maybe Scotland. He opened up for Mick. And then all of a sudden you hear, and I, like, I just fucking, I didn't know he was going to have the entrance music, but you and then everybody's head turns to the back, and here comes Foley coming down through the, from the back through the center aisle. Oh and, my god! And dude. I had fucking goosebumps. I had goosebumps, and I was so excited. And then Mick Foley went on to do an hour and just shared wrestling stories, and he's so good at it. I could watch Mick Foley perform forever. Like he's yeah. so good at telling stories, and he has the best stories, and he knows how to entertain by telling through. Like the guy's written three fucking four books by himself. So he knows yeah, how his to... whole like uh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. But his whole like uh, rock and sock connection thing, man. I love that. That oh. was fucking awesome. Yeah. It's like when you look at this guy who came in as like mankind the, and it was mankind. The mutilator was what he was called originally. Uh, and then to eventually see him, you know, he's one of the most hardcore wrestlers in the history of wrestling. And now what's he famous for? He's the guy that pulled the sock out of his pants and stuffed it down your throat. Yeah. You know, it's but it's like, well, fuck, I don't want that either. That's a great move. Yeah. 
Why yeah, would you want a, a stinky sock that's been down his fucking crotch? And you want that? I don't want that shoved in my throat. Yeah, you know it's so uh, dirty. Um, but now you know you see him at uh, you see him at signings. He's like he'll say to like if you were working with him, he'd be like, "Here's uh, you know here's fifty dollars. Go to Walmart and buy me as many fucking socks as you can." You know, I love so that. so then all of a sudden he just has bags of socks. He draws the fucking face on them and signs it. There you go. Ten dollars a sock. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. The profit margin on Mister Sockos through the roof. Oh fuck, through the through roof. The roof. I, you know, I that that intro shit. Uh, like him doing his intro music reminded me of. Uh, I don't know if you remember when Kane was running for mayor in his state there. Yeah, and then when he won the little election. They played his fucking intro music. <laughs> I was l- like he was in a suit. You got to find it on YouTube. But he's like wearing his suit. And it's like. And he's fucking walking to the podium with like presidential shit behind him. I was like, that's hilarious. He's like, I didn't know they were going to play my music. I was like, buddy, that's fucking jokes. It's crazy. I, um, Nathan McIntosh blames the WWF for the current state of the presidency. Because he said Donald Trump is just using wrestling philosophy and tactics to win his elections. It's true. I know. And it is true. And Donald Trump has learned from Vince McMahon. And they're buddies. And, and, uh, you know, Trump the other day was saying, like, uh, he was talking about, I was sick with the COVID. And uh, I took a drive around the White House to wave to my fans. And then he goes, I took a lot of heat for it. That's a wrestling term. Yeah. I took a lot of heat for it. Otherwise, he would have just said, I got in trouble. But he right. didn't. He used a wrestling term while giving a speech as the president of the United States. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Honestly, dude, he should have his own like intro music. Like If Trump, every time he came out, had his own intro music. Well, he does. It's, it called, it's called Hail to the Chief. That's that's, really? that's the presidential song. Yeah, Hail to the Chief. Oh, I didn't know I, that. I don't even know if he uses it. He'd be like, he should have his own. I want a better song. I want Kanye to make me a best song. Something yeah. best for the best the best president ever. So, yeah. you know, and uh yeah, who knows? Who knows like that? Who's no who knows? Um have you, why, you know what? That's why Royal Rumbles were my favorite cuz of intro songs because you'd have the chance to hear 30 intro songs like back to like just right after one another to be like holy shit he's coming out whatever right you never knew who was going to be in it like yes and you would always just be listening for that first two notes or whatever that's made that shit fucking great man you're, you're totally right and i'm sorry i'm coughing through this we all know i have covid um now also please send money to my family for covid relief no don't do that uh I, I agree with you. The Royal Rumble, part of the best part is the music. Is oh, each yeah. each song and the surprise every year. There's usually one song. Last year was Edge. Edge came out like you think you know yeah. me. And Buddy, everybody went I nuts. He was one of my favorite wrestlers, man. Um after a while, like when I started to watch the like the TLC matches and stuff, like I loved all those tag team matches, man. Like the Dudley Boys and the Hardys and like when Edge and Christian became a thing, like I hated their whole thing with Gangrel and all that, if that's how you say his name. Yeah. But when they just became Edge and Christian and were like spearing each other off of the fucking like 50 foot ladder, I was like, it just doesn't get crazier than this, man. Like speared off, going through three sets of tables. Yeah. It's like that's when kind of mankind was in and out and you weren't seeing as much of the hardcore matches from him as much. So yeah, it would really elevate that shit, man. I used to love that. Well, and you look at it like it's crazy because now um, both of the Hardys are still wrestling. Edge and Christian are done, and Devon is done. So three out of the six guys are still wrestling. But I I have no idea how Jeff Hardy is still wrestling. Jeff Hardy is the most craziest guy out of all of them, and he's still wrestling. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, he was he was unreal, man. He was unreal. Edge is great. I always love Edge. He, you know, any Canadian wrestler, I automatically cheer for. Um, you know, oh my God, there was a bird on my balcony and fucking scared the shit out of me. 
Um, then there's, uh, you know, but you're right. Music plays such an important role in in wrestling. And it's like the guys that, like, Jim Johnson is the guy that creates most of the WWE music or has. And I think he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame because so many wrestlers are defined uh, by their music. Um, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah, like... 100%. I, I feel like comedians, if we, we don't recognize ourselves... Like, I learned so much from wrestling now like looking back on it like because we're technically gimmicks right yeah so you know and, and we don't view ourselves that way whereas Vince McMahon and everyone in the WWE was like if you didn't have a strong gimmick down to the intro music a finishing move a fucking like a salute and a taunt like then you weren't just you just weren't gonna be somebody you know so and yeah. I feel like that goes a long way for us and if comedians started to have their own intro music or whatever it could totally redefine like comedians. Uh, I don't know about stardom or whatnot, but like, I don't know. Well, I but, enjoy like whenever you do just for laughs, they always play you like onto the stage with music and they have a catalog of music. They're like, what do you want? And I remember uh, the last time I did shows with them, I picked shoot the thrill by ACDC. Nice. Because yep. I'm good like, one. if it's good enough for fucking Iron Man to intro to intro into, then it's good enough for me, you know. Because yep. that scene in Iron Man two, where it just starts with shoot to thrill, and Tony Stark jumping out of the plane, and then the suit getting on him, and then fucking, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so great. So yeah. I love shoot to thrill. ACDC's always good entrance music. Oh, um, for sure, you can't go wrong with any. Would that? But ACD, if you were a wrestler, would ACDC be one of your, your an intro song? When I was backyard wrestling, when I was a kid, I was using a song by Anthrax called "State of uh, Euphoria." No, it was from the. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was from the album "State of Euphoria," and uh, shit, there was a maybe. Oh, I remember a song on the second side. I used. I can't remember the name of the song, but it had a really good start. And I thought that was a good song. But, I thought you would do Panama for sure, man. Well, you know, Stone Cold first came into Unchained. Bret Hart oh, yeah? used to come in. Bre yeah, and Bret and Jim used to come in to, uh, running at the debt room with the devil. I think if there was a Van Halen song that I would come into, it would probably be... Uh, hmm. There's... Okay, there's... Uh, there's an al there's a song on the album Balance called uh, I think it's called Bal it's it's the name of a dinosaur or it's called Bullets Balarchillerium or whatever that song is called. Yes. That's one of my favorite songs by Van Halen, yes. by the way. So it's just an instrumental yeah, but it's got I a good that. beat to it that you could walk to like so that's good. Um, when I ran for student council in high school, my plateau was vote for Casey. He's the ultimate candidate. And I nice. cut my my picture, my face off my picture, and I literally cut and pasted it to the ultimate warrior's body and then yeah. photocopied it, and it worked. And... Uh, <laughs> So when I had my entrance for my speeches, I uh, fucking did the Ultimate Warrior, and I didn't have his music, but um, <laughs> Chase the Ace by ACDC sounds very much like the Ultimate Warrior's music. It's like ding 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 ding. So I used that, and I emulated the Ultimate Warrior's entrance. And uh, just running full speed, running full speed. Just like, there was no ropes. What happened was, so I was running full speed, or it was full speed as I can with a gym full of people. My arm, my my like my muscles were tied, like with, oh with God, ropes, dude. so I could make them look bigger. And when I hit, so when I got up and I hit the stage, the strobe light hit. So now I'm running across the stage in like slow motion. 
But then all of a sudden, my buddy came out from beside the stage, and he was in a trench coat, and he had a fucking mask on, and he comes out, and I full-on friggin' press him, and then I... I did, I did, and then I dropped him off the stage where there was a mat on the bottom, and the place was going nuts, and then I got to the podium, and I was too winded to deliver my speech. I was, like, so fucking gassed. <laughs> and Buddy, that's fucking insane. And this is when I was in shape, like, but the place went, so then, that was the first, you had to do his first speech for seniors and then the juniors. So that's the first thing. And then my buddies are like, they wanted to incorporate themselves into it so they didn't have to go to school for the next uh, period. So I was like, okay, how about you guys get out of your seats when I get halfway through the thing? I'll back up and then I double clothesline you two. And they were like two offensive line, like two of my line mates from the football team. I'm like, and then I'll get on the stage and then I'll press Bobby and then I'll fucking go. And like, Bobby lived across the street from me, and uh, he was he was also playing football with me. He was like a fucking slot back or something like that, or a receiver. So like I would just literally, I, we spent our lives growing up backyard wrestling. So I knew I could press him, and he knew he knows enough to push down on my shoulders. Like right. once I get you there, that's where the guy helps and pushes yeah, yeah, down yeah. on your shoulders so you can get him up, and then you lo- just lock your elbows and then just fucking drop. So, you know, um, yeah, it was like, anyways, I won the election by a landslide. Uh, Obviously, you're the only one fucking suplexing in your intros. I know, I know. It was great. It was great. And I was running against a girl, and she was like, I don't even know how to fucking respond to this. You know, like, meanwhile, everybody, all these kids are like, that's fucking awesome. You know, so, and then... Yeah, so it was great. Like I love so I just love when wrestling carries over into real life. I just think it's always so much fun. So Man, I used to put my neighbor we used to have uh his dad was into like um <laughs> construction and stuff, so like he would have a lot of like we would make fake shit tables and like just hammer each other through tables and like, you know, actually wrestle each other until tapping out or legitimately pinned and like i'll never forget i don't know if you remember that move it's a submission move or if i'm submitting you i'm laying on my back and i've got like your arms intertwined with my arms and my legs and i would like press you up and like almost fucking make you look like a fucking i don't know it's like some sort of torture press up type deal it's kind of like um they would do it Kind of like it's kind of like I think the other way to do it. Women do it all, all, all. Women wrestlers used to do a lot where they they kind of get your their feet hooked by the back of your knees and then grab your things and then they go and, they, and then they go on their back and they'd have yes. you arched up. And I think that's called a surfboard for some reason, okay. yeah, or something like that. But it's when you get them arched up and they're like, "Fuck," you know, they can't get but out of it. Yeah, when I'll ne- that was my buddy's like finisher on all like our smaller friends yeah and like and if they didn't tap out i would just put them in sharpshooters or like you know i remember tapping out to a steiner recliner which is like hands down a very painful fucking submission um my buddy i used to never think anything of it but my buddy uh who was always the champion of our of our uh street wrestling organization uh he, he his character was named the texas ranger and um, so his move was he would take your legs, he would fold them over the back of your head, and then he would lean on you and on, on top of you, and then he would drive his knuckle into your chest like that. that. And that was the most – it's already hard because your legs are over your like, – are by your ears, and you, you're taking breath, short breaths because it's fucking hard to breathe. And then he's driving his knuckle like like a like a fucking bully move. It's not a real wrestling move. Like, and it was just like that was the worst move. I would take a Boston Crab. I would take a Figure Four. I would take a suplex, a oh, fucking yeah. super kick. But I'll tell you, I do not. No wrestler even does this. Imagine if they threw the fucking legs over your head, with like your like a bully used to do to you. 
and then yeah. started fucking knuckling your chest. Oh, that, the worst. Uh, it's creative. I remember power bombing a friend of mine at a baseball diamond. Like a friend of mine, uh, he was getting strong, and he's like, "Listen, I think I could, I could throw you around now." And I'm like, "All right." So he starts like running at me, keep trying to spear me to bring <clears> me to the ground. So like when he went to spear me, I just ended up fucking power bombing him on the diamond. Oh my god, dude! It was the best day of my life. I never thought I'd be able to power bomb somebody legitimately. Yeah, I power bombed a guy into a uh, like uh, two pine trees. Like I just threw him into the tree. But he got cut by one of the branches and shit like that. And I, I was playing a character. I was a, a Russian at that time and by the name of You Bit Your Cock Off. Yep. And um, so so that was my Russian name. And, uh, and But another one, what was the... Uh, one time I was at a bar and uh, the bouncers were distracted. They had to go upstairs to handle something. So the bartender was there. And uh, and he was my buddy. My bartender, the bartender was Robbie. And uh, at this bar, Mingle Woods, I used to hang out at. Shout out to Robbie. I don't know where he is these days. But anyways, um, somebody went behind the bar and tried to fucking give him shit for something. And there were no bouncers, but I was there. So I fucking flapped open the bar thing. I went up behind the bar. I tapped the guy on the shoulder. He looked around, and I'm not lying. I kicked him in the stomach. I turned around. I grabbed him. Fucking stunner. Right on the floor. Everybody around the bar went nuts. And then I got up fucking giving him the fingers. And the bouncer came down. And he's like, that's just about the best thing I've ever seen. And they just fucking (laughs) grabbed the guy and threw the guy out. Like, Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, that is my dream. I've had visions of this many times. Like, I've always, if I ever had a big Netflix special, I want it to end with like, while I'm doing my closer, the glass breaks and Stone Cold comes running through the audience and just stunners me and <laughs> and it ends like, and that's it. Uh, I, I, when I did my, um, my comedy now, um, my comedy now is one of the only comedy now is where you don't see the artist come out and take an encore bow because of what happened during mine. Um, I manipulate, I, through wrestling philosophy, I worked the audience. And right. during, during this show, they will stop you often because if you sweat, they'll stop you to pat you down. And, you know, so right. you'll, you'll take three or four breaks during a, during a show. The last break, I, 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 I walked away from the microphone and I fucking started to like get all emotional and I like almost made myself cry. Like it was, I was like choked up and I told the audience that my grandmother just passed away and that right. she was supposed to be here for this night. And, right. uh, and I said, and before she passed, she said she wasn't going to make it, but she said she was still going to be there. And, right. uh, and she told me that I would know that she was there because I would have a great show. And when I came out for my final bow, those people were going to reward me with a standing ovation. Right. And I told this to the audience. And they fucking bit in and it was emotional. I'm like, and I said, look, it, I'm not saying you have to stand up. I'm just saying this is what my grandmother told me. Right. And I said, And I said, whether it happens or not, is literally up to you. So right. so then I was like, but I have to do a couple more jokes. Let's finish this, and then let's all go drinking at the Heart and Crown or whatever. So right. I go back in. I do my last five minutes. I walk off the stage. I say goodnight. I walk off the stage. They're like, they tell me how long I've been on stage for the time of the thing. And they're like, go out and take your bow. I walk out to take, out my, to take my bow, and they're all starting to stand up. And I was like, right. holy fuck it. Like, I thought of this in the afternoon, and I, caught, and I called Matt Billen. I said, nobody's ever had a standing ovation on the comedy now. I was like, I'm going to work the audience like wrestling. I'm going to create a situation that's going to create a response by them that will give me a standing ovation. And it's going to be beautiful, because I think it's like Kaufmanism. 
It's I'm not. It's not real. It's not a real stand ovation. I don't. Maybe I don't know. But so, anyways, when I walked out, the whole room standing ovation, and I dropped to my knee like Superfly Snooker, and I gave my fucking two arms in the air like Snooker, and it was all wrestling influenced, and uh, the producers were pissed because I was the first person to get a standing ovation in the history of the ten year show, and. Uh, so they cut it out. And oh, then, fuck that. Yeah, they did. And two years later, Mike Patterson would do almost the exact same thing where he would manipulate a standing ovation and get one, and they left it in. That's so, your grandmother passed away, and that's a real story or no? No. she Well, she did pass away. She passed away years ago, but she wasn't around for my comedy now. No. Right, right. It was all made up. It was just made up to get a reaction. And yeah, people yeah, yeah. and people were upset about me. And I was like, what's the difference between every joke that I tell is fake, but it's meant to get a reaction? What's the right. difference between that and what I did? Like every move a wrestler does, like everything they do in the ring is done to get the audience's reaction. Right. That's what they live off of. So I just took wrestling theory and applied it to comedy, and I did that. And then, you know, fucking, again, now I'm the bad guy for some reason. But, hey, hello. Say hello to the bad guy. You know, I don't mind being the bad guy. If it's for fucking comedy and whatever, it's fun, then whatever. Where were they filming comedy now? Okay, well, the year after me, they went to the Masonic Temple where MTV used to be at Davenport and Young. But for me, um, it was a studio. I don't even. I can't even remember. It was a studio on the east part of town. Um, I don't know. It was just in a studio, and they had a room set up for three hundred people in the audience, and then they had an, a side room in case there was a carryover. People could watch it on closed circuit, and our right. show was packed in the audience and packed in the carryover room. And we were the only show that was like that. I closed the Friday night show. So. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. It's too bad they don't do them anymore because now there's so many new comics, you know, it would be great. So, but oh well, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So what else? We're all, we're winding down here. Uh, we've actually done 45 minutes. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, come on. I got 33 on this one. I got 11 on the other one. So, wow. yeah, yeah. It doesn't take long at all to, to tell a couple wrestling stories and shit like that. Um, yeah, man. Now, uh, let me see. What else did I want to ask? We got, you know, who you like. We know, have, have you ever seen wrestling live? Are you, have you ever been there? Yes. Uh, I went to a Monday Night Raw once. Um, I was very upset that that was the only thing that I ever went to. Um, I was very fucking high up in the bleeds. Um, what I remember from it is like the Godfather walking out and like Rikishi and like Scotty Tuhati and like um, all those guys. Um, but I never got to see any of my favorites live. Like I never got to see The Rock. I never got to see Stone Cold. I never got to see Hogan. I never got to see Goldberg or Sting or yeah you know none of those guys and like even chris benoit and like you know i've seen I've even eddie guerrero like you know what i mean i wanted to see all those guys like man yeah. i loved that that was like the prime time of my stuff and i just fucking i had so many opportunities like they used to come to toronto all the time all the time and i never went like i would always watch it like i started getting the pay-per-views every month they were getting ridiculous and i was yeah. like talking to my dad at the time like let's fucking go and then we went to a raw and we got last minute tickets and oh, I saw Kane. That's right. I have pictures of like the flames coming out of the thing. Yeah. And that was cool. Um, but man, like not seeing any of my top 10 guys was a fucking letdown. One of know? my favorite matches of all time, uh, and I was in the nosebleeds for it, was Survivor Series. A couple of years ago, they brought Survivor Series to Toronto. And the main event was Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. And oh Brock Lesnar is going to kill Goldberg. Because one of them's real and one of them's not, you know. Yeah. So, but what happened was when Goldberg originally came to WWE, 
he sat out a long time. Like they WWE bought WCW. A lot of the guys came over, but the big stars that had guaranteed contracts, they all sat out because they were getting paid anyway, so why go? So Goldberg was one of those guys. Then the contract ran out, and then finally WWE signed him. So when they brought him in, they changed like WWE does. They don't like stars that are built elsewhere. They like stars that they've built or or they've made their version of. Uh, they tried to make a version of Gil- of Goldberg. They tried to put him in white tights, and they tried to put give him as his tattoo when they put that logo across his butt. Yes, and they tried to and they put him in biker shorts rather than tights. Um, I hated all of that. Uh, when they brought him back to wrestle Brock Lesnar years and years and years and years later, um, what they did was they gave the people. A Goldberg match. Nobody expected Goldberg to come down and win inside of three minutes against Brock Lesnar. But yeah. fuck, that's exactly what he did. And Brock Lesnar was amazing in that match because his selling is so fucking good. He made so it good. believable that Goldberg could beat Brock Lesnar. And there's no fucking way that could happen. But right. he made it believable that night. And me, I want to say I wasn't a big Goldberg fan. But when I was starting out comedy in 94, I used to fucking do Goldberg backstage. I used to do all those, whoo, whoo, and like oh, yeah, kick yeah. the, and I'd pretend I'd kick my way out of the green door of the old Ottawa Yucks, and then I'd walk to the stage with the music in my head. You know, oh, and, and I always did that. So I can't say that I hated Goldberg, uh, but I did, you know, like Goldberg was just a formula that worked. You know, it's the same with the Ultimate Warrior. I was never really an Ultimate Warrior fan, but um, I do appreciate what he did now that he's gone. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to really like. Um, oh fuck! I just had it there. I was gonna say Goldberg again. Something about Goldberg. Fuck. Was it Gilberg? Did you like Gilberg? Gilberg, no. God damn. Yeah, like the electricity shit he used to do off the top. Like, dude, the first time I saw that guy come out and just stand in fireworks. Yeah. And then, like, breathe the smoke out. I'm like, this guy's a monster. Exactly. Like, even, like, I'll never forget being so shocked. I always remember this wrestling moment when Bret Hart had the steel plate on his stomach at WCW, his debut there. And, like, he speared him and they're both out yes. I'm like, wait, what? And then, like, Bret Hart fucking stands up. I'm like... Yo, like you know, it was like paying homage to like my youth favorite wrestler, and I was like, "This is amazing." I that was, like, was one of my favorite Bret Hart moments ever. And yeah. Bret Hart's like, Bret Hart is like, uh, he's like, you know, I never really felt that I had any good moments in WCW, and I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. That moment yeah. where you sang "Oh Canada" in the middle of the ring in Toronto, and then Bill Goldberg came and you called him out. You're like, Bill Goldberg's going out there on television saying he wants a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, but every time I beat Steve, every time I face Steve Austin, I beat him every time I saw him. And right. he's like, why don't you come fight me, Bill Goldberg? You know, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, and it's so fucking great. You get so excited. And then when he comes down and he spears him and then he fucking reveals the metal plate. You're like, oh my God. you're so fucking, like, whoever wrote that, great, great writing, great storytelling, oh, yeah. and it was so great yeah. when he covered him, and he was like, and the fucking, yeah. I don't know why I wasn't there that night. I don't know where I was, but I wasn't there. Man. Maybe Dude, I was still in Ottawa. Too many t- fucking times I could have gone. Like, it's a legitimate regret of mine. Like, I wasn't a fan of anything else that much as i was of wrestling from when i was like uh when was wrestlemania 13 um right after 12 um no (laughs) (laughs) like what year what year uh okay well hold on hold on okay 84 85 86 87 88 89 90 91 92 93 94 95 96. No, you know what? 97. 
because it was Bret Hart's last year in it WWE. Was. Yeah, it was '97. So I was seven, right? So from that was the first time I saw wrestling. So from being seven to like 18, 17, like that, that I wasn't a bigger fan of anything. I was like, I remember there was a basketball league that I had, um, and we started on Tuesday nights. And then after Tuesday nights, after the second week, they shifted it to Monday nights. Uh oh. No. I'm like, guys, it's not happening. (laughs) They're like, yeah, but you're only going to miss the first 30 minutes of Raw. I'm like, that's probably the best part of Raw. I'm good. I'm like, not, not coming. And I just would, I canceled. I never went to basketball again. I was like, fuck that shit, man. Can't miss. Yeah, I can't miss whatever Eric Bischoff is going to say off the top or whatever, right? Like, they would always do some crazy shit off the top when. Stone Cold was driving down with his four-wheeler. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, down the runway. Like, dude, just so many hilarious fucking moments, man. Stone like, Cold now, is just the coolest, too. He's just the fucking coolest, man. Have you had the chance to meet him or talk to him? Or? I met him, and I talked to him. I have a picture with him. Uh, it was, uh, well, two nights after the screw job, I was backstage at Monday Night Raw, the taping the Tuesday night taping, which would air the next Monday night. So the night that I saw was the night that Rick Rude was on Nitro and Raw on the same time because he he taped Raw on the Tuesday after the screw job and then it aired the next Monday. So he was live in Nitro next Monday but taped on Raw at the same time. Right. So that was was a big night. Where he he appeared on both shows, and it's the only time it ever happened. Um, right. So yeah, it was two nights after the screw job. I'm I I, I got backstage passes uh, somehow, and um and I just we just we didn't even know what to do with them, so we just went and stood in the uh, car exit area, where everybody would leave, and everybody came through the exit. So, uh yeah, we only had a camera with two pictures left on it. And we used them both up on Stone Cold, and the and, and Brian Lee, but Stone Cold, uh, it was November, so I asked him. I'm like, I just said, are you not going to get any time out uh, to hunt this year? And he's like, God damn, I wish I could, but they got me so running busy, so up here, up uh, up on the on the show, I don't think I'm going to get time to take away, especially after what just happened on the weekend. You know, they're going to need me more than ever now. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be uh, able. What exactly happened? Like, I know this, uh, like a vague version, and I've read up on it. I've seen people talk about it, but I don't know exactly what happened because of the amount of potential misinformation that okay. I have heard and point of views. I'll tell you it all. So, basically, Bret Hart was leaving the WWE. He signed a three-year, $9 million deal with, T- with uh, WCW. Um, so, he was going there. Vince McMahon helped him get that contract and released him of his current contract. He wouldn't have been able to do it without Vince's help. But then, uh, you know, when a champion leaves, usually there's a time-honored tradition for him to lay down and get pinned or drop the title before you leave. But because of the hatred between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart was actually so real... Bret Hart did not want to drop the belt to Shawn Michaels. Because right. Shawn Michaels said, Bret said, I have no problem dropping the belt for you. And then Shawn said, that's funny because if, if I had to return the favor, I wouldn't. And then Bret right. Hart said, like, thought, well, then fuck you. I'm never dropping the title to you. And right. he said, and it's not that Bret wouldn't drop the title. He said that he would drop it to this guy. He would drop it to that guy. He would drop it to this guy. He wanted to go to Ottawa the next night after the screw job and say thank you to all the fans and then say, here's the WWE title and vacate the title and walk up that ramp and then go to WCW. And to me, I don't know why they didn't let him do that because they're like, oh, because you have to lose the belt in the match. I'm like, Shawn Michaels vacated tag title uh and the intercontinental title and maybe the world title one like sean he wouldn't drop the belt he'd vacate titles like you know so um i don't understand when brett wanted to do it why they wouldn't let brett do it 
And um, so they screwed him. And but out of the screw job, everybody came out better. But somehow Brett, it just didn't work out for for him in WCW. But he got a nine million dollar deal, so that's good. And then you look at the the uh, what's left behind is Stone Cold stepped into Bret Hart's spot as the number one face, and uh, and that was fine because Bret because that's kind of what happened in the Stone Cold Bret Hart match was Bret helped make Stone Cold his level when Stone Cold right. never quit. So Bret kind of handpicked his successor, and then. Uh, the Mr. McMahon character was also created uh, and and uh, became the biggest villain. So that should have been Brett versus Mr. McMahon, but it never happened. It ended up being Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. And Brett played, like, so they were upset that Brett wouldn't put Shawn Michaels over. But before he left, he put over Stone Cold and then he knocked out Vince McMahon and put them both of them over. And the leading feud for the next 10 years or six years would be Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon. So I don't understand why they wouldn't let, why they would, I don't know. And and you know what? Sometimes I think it's a conspiracy. And sometimes I think Brett was in on it. But I would never be able to ask Brett or tell him that I think he was in on it because I know he's really emotional about it. And he doesn't like to talk about it. So, um, so how did he ended up leaving? He had, he lost right to, he, he didn't lose. He just left. He just left. He was stripped of the title and whatever. Or no, no, he didn't lose. Well, he did lose. Um, <coughs> he had, um, there was a part where Shawn Michaels was going to put, put him in the sharpshooter and then Brett was reversing it. And then that's when they rang the bell when Shawn Michaels had him in the sharpshooter. So they made him look, they embarrassed him by making him lose in his own move. And that's what he was pissed off about. Like, they didn't have to fucking screw him over like that. The match was supposed to end in a no DQ. So anyways, and he would have dropped the title the next night. But the screw job happened, and uh, it's the the screw job is, I like to say it's uh, it's the JFK assassination of wrestling. Because right. that's it's a, that's it's a great comparison. It's still talked about today. There's tons of conspiracies about it. Uh, but uh, Bret Hart was never the same in WCW, and uh, that was the night that Bret Hart got a bullet through the head, and his character basically died. And it's yeah. just sad. Yeah. It's sad that it happened that way because then the next thing, his brother really does die. And if Bret would have been there. Owen Hart would have never been in the blue blazer outfit and he would have never been up in the rafters. So right. I think that's the he worst part of it all. Some of that. Yeah. You know, it was like he wasn't there to look after Owen and Brett was the type of guy that could go to Vince and say no. And um, yeah, it's just if, if, it, if the screw job would have never happened, we don't know what wrestling would be like today because it was it changed so many things. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, man. It is crazy. So, with that said, we've done an hour, and uh, where we're, where can the fans find you online? And what do you got going up? This is the chance to plug yourself. Yeah, Did, uh, you guys can. Hey, go ahead. I was like to all the thirty people listening. Tell them. <laughs> no, no. Yes. All right. Uh, you could follow me at not Mark Anthony on all social media platforms. Um, I'm pretty much, this is my last tour of the year so far. Um, just did Edmonton comedy festival with you. And then I'm doing, uh, uh, some, some road gigs. I'll be in Brooks, Alberta a few times, Fort St. John, Dawson Creek. And Dude, then- you are, you and people, these are road gigs. These are like 13 hour drives. Like, oh dude, yeah. Dude, dude, when I heard, when I heard you were going, where you were going, I'm like, no fucking way would I ever, like, you're young, but there's no fucking way I would drive 13, 14 hours for a gig at this point in my career. Yeah. So kudos, kudos to you. Thank you, man. I mean, I've done it a few times before. um, And for me, it's like, it's pretty much the only gigs I could get uh, because Toronto, Ontario are fully back locked down again. uh, And I got nothing on the books for November, December. Everything I did have is canceled. So, I mean... This whole October has been 
just road work and I'm I'm thankful for it. So, I mean, if you follow me online, I always post where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. I post like daily slash weekly comedy sketches here and there. So, yeah, awesome. Keep you entertained. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me, dude. And I got to tell you, I loved you in the uh, in this short with uh, Baby Bull, uh, Eric Johnson at the Absolute oh, Condo, nice. where yeah, you nice. came with. You're in the background, fucking. Doing the fucking peck, the peck thrusts that Hogan used to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's exactly why I learned it, man. I used to sit at home and like just learn how to flex my fucking pecs because of wrestling. I, you'd always see them like warming up before their music and like bumping the tits. I'm like, yeah. yo, that looks sick. So, you know, that's yeah, awesome. Man. Hey, uh, Mark, thanks for coming on the show with me today, folks. Thank you for putting us uh, for listening to us today. Thanks for letting us uh, put your put your ears. What do I usually say? Thanks for letting us put a headlock on your ears. And uh, thanks for listening uh, this week. We'll talk at you next week uh, for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I'm Casey Corbin. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.